Hello. Welcome to the old boys book club. Beep, 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 beep. It's perfectly true that I have had some drugs. Um, buses. You make models of buses. I make models of buses. I, I stand by what I said. You didn't feel bad. I stand okay, by what I said. Urge uh, my friends and colleagues to look carefully at what I wrote. Things that, that I've said that are wrenched out of out of context of uh, 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 buses. I have concluded that person cannot be me. Old boys. Right. So uh, welcome back to the old boys book club. This is episode two of series one. We are reading Boris Johnson's Seventy Two Virgins. Uh, my name's Johnny. My name's Andy. Andy, tell us about. The first two chapters that we read in the in the first episode. Well, it's been non-stop, hasn't it? <laughs> so we've we've met we've met the uh, the principal uh, Johnson stand-in. Um, yep. Roger Barlow. Roger Barlow, the the MP. Unnamed wife, unnamed child. Edith. Cycling Ford. enthusiast. Yes. We've also met the uh, the antagonist. We've met what we believe to be the terrorists who Jones. are having a bit of trouble. Yeah. Um, with the ambulance that they've, uh, they've just, purloined. They've just exited a traditional uh, <laughs> London a Italian cafe <laughs> where one imagines Johnson, uh, in his mind, the proprietor, uh, had big bushy black hair and a huge platter of spaghetti and meatballs on his shoulder at all times. This is Tavoli's, the greasy spoon, where the, the terrorists had their breakfast. The semi-fictional greasy spoon. Of, Semi, yeah. Of Boris's dreams. Yeah. And so the terrorists have stolen an ambulance. Uh, a parking attendant, Eric Onyama, has uh, tried to clamp said ambulance. With a view to, uh, to lifting it away. Yeah. Which seems integral to the terrorist plot. And the terrorists have just exploited a loophole in London traffic laws to... to <laughs> <laughs> Which was given to them on a plate by the traffic warden. Yeah, it was, to be fair. That was, that was short-sighted of Eric. But yeah, they've exploited the loophole and they're currently wrestling with the traffic warden to get control of their ambulance back uh, with who knows what malicious intent in mind. So, uh, and, and our hero, Roger, although in the modern reading he's far more of an anti-hero, is cycling as fast as his legs can carry him to Parliament to give a speech uh, about water. After this quick break, we'll dive into chapter three. And I believe, Andy, it is your turn to read. So uh, let's uh, see you on the other side. Old boys. So chapter three of 72 Virgins by Boris Johnson. Uh, the time, time check. It's, eight, it's 8.32. It's 8 32 hours. It's 40 minutes after... Uh, Barlow woke up and okay. was shot in the neck by his son. <laughs> and, uh, and a lot's happened in, in many lives in this time. Yeah. And um, we're, we're opening in the police war the, room. Through the minutes. Well, we are, yeah. The pace they, does slow quite spoil, there, 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 are, there are quagmires in the middle. But yeah. right now, time is <laughs> flying past. Whose ambulance did he say it was? Asked Deputy Assistant Commissioner Purnell, who was today in charge of anti-terrorist and security operations throughout the metropolis. You would hope in general that was his job. Yeah. Is, today he stepped just in. Today, yeah. When the president he used to stay a bog standard Bobby on the beat. And I think we misled the uh, the listeners in the last episode because we oh, said right. that Grover was more instensible than even Grover. Oh was right. For uh, Grover's back, is he? He's Grover entered the room with an air of satisfaction. Ah. What Grover. did I tell you? We've got it. An ambulance from the Bliston and Willenhall NHS Trust was seen at the travel lodge in Dunstable at one a.m. Good. And it's still there, is it? Uh, no. It left. Aha. We're on the case. A second later, he was back again. I've got Blewett on the line. The two London policemen looked at each other. They knew, or strongly suspected. 
that the Americans were turning, tuning into their frequencies. Put him through. Bloody yanks. Well, they will. They will. They will. Well, I, but then, in fairness, you read this and you think they were right to step in. Because they, <laughs> they, the, the British police are somewhat incompetent throughout this and, and yeah. at many points do bungle the operation. Well, everyone, it's, 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 a, it's an omni-bungle. Yeah, it is. Absolutely yeah. is. But you can, you can imagine that Johnson's been wronged by them and this is yeah. his, his prevenge. Put him through, said Deputy Assistant Commissioner Purnell. He listened with half closed eyes to the Americans' demands. You want a sniper on the roof of the commons? <laughs> what did you say his name was? As if, as if that would be the thing. Yeah. Like, on a piece of head and notepaper, Purnell printed pickle. <laughs> <laughs> then he crossed it out and wrote pickle. I mean, like, uh, uh, as we said in the previous episode, these state visits get planned months in advance. The fact that someone's ringing up on the morning being like, we want one sniper on the roof of the bit, like, it's just absolutely bananas. Also, anyway. the signposting that this is going to be a significant oh, yeah. character by getting his name down. But then also, that you say that, but then so many characters just appear, you well, know, like yeah, our man Grover, he's think, oh, okay, this guy's going to play a bit of a role. Just completely, they don't have, yeah, so you never know with, with Bojo. Like, he's, he's clever that way. Keeps you guessing. And he does. I see, yes, he said. I see, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're really there. <laughs> he listened some more and then said, well, I can understand if the First Lady is a bit anxious, but... Right you are, Colonel. God, women, they will be, won't they? They do... Yeah, they get themselves in a tiz. They do get themselves in a tiz about being shot. And then he, uh, and then he ends with, uh, with uh, as anyone signs off in England, okie cokie, chum. <laughs> a phrase I've not heard in any other context. Yeah. <laughs> yep, see you later. I expect... No, no, everything else is um, fine. We have no evidence of anything, you know, untoward. Um, they're currently hiding an enormous amount of evidence whilst being disconcerted that the uh, the Americans are hacking them for evidence that they're withholding. So. This is like this is where the, the characters of Blewett and Purnell really stress me out because it's like two AOL chatbots just talking <laughs> with each other. <laughs> like, they had all the makings of a yeah. lot couple, you know, different yeah. ways of governing, different ways yeah. of looking at things, solving problems. Yeah. The American way, yeah. the British way, yeah. more attacking, more reserved. But they're, they're just, they're nothing. They're exactly the same. They're just two, two men yeah. who, who antagonise each other and <laughs> come up with the same solution. Oh, he God. disconnected with a groan. Oh, God, bloody yanks. In fact, seemingly of himself. Mm. <laughs> they want a sniper on the roof of the commons, above New Place Yard. I've said we'll oblige. Someone answering to this name will be presenting himself in a few minutes. Whatever seems happens, like a rush security job like this. Oh, this guy's going to turn up with his name, and you're going to let him stand on the roof of the House of Commons with a high-powered rifle. Does he have all sure. of the correct paperwork? He's got this post-it note that a man in the police <laughs> office wrote down and then scribbled out. Very good. Whatever happens, I'm not having him sitting up there alone. Okay, so we're creating a bit of antagonism. Okay, right, yeah. He handed over the sheet of paper, and I want the choppers to start scanning Westminster for this flaming ambulance. High above Soho, a metropolitan police twin squirrel Eurocopter AS355N of, uh, <laughs> with the kind of a procedural yeah. uh, model name. There's, there's, a, there's a long period now. There's an obsession over the engines of the various helicopters. Also, where do you what's the kind of temp agency for snipers to sit on the... Like, he's just last... He's not going to be alone. Like, where are you just going to draft someone? It's, it's not got being the, planned as well. Yeah. yeah. It's a highly specialised skill, but it's not being planned. Anyway, the twin squirrel banked a turn down Shaftesbury Avenue. No, well. And then that's, uh, that's, that's halfway through this chapter. <laughs> and he, he breaks it up with asterisks and then cuts directly 
to the same piece of action. It passed yeah. directly <laughs> over the head of Roger Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> the, the break is just to yeah. give you a breather because sure. after reading that back and forth, it, it's kind of like the first series of The West Wing where you're, yeah. uh, you're as yet dazzled by the dialogue. Yeah. It passed directly over the head of Roger Barlow who looked up and felt vaguely resentful. Why do they hover in the threatening way of innocent streets? It was like some dreary lefty movie about Thatcher's Britain. <laughs> I think we all remember the scene from Abigail's party where the, yeah. uh, the helicopter <laughs> hovered outside the window destroying the daffodils. And yeah. In what way is highly modern technology policing like some dreary lefty it's like movie Kes, about Thatcher's Britain? It? Yeah. It's like <laughs> Kes being sucked through the twin <laughs> jet engines atomized on the other side of it. Why do they hover like that? As he, a, he knows why they hover. As opposed to all those exciting uh, movies by right-wing auteurs. <laughs> <laughs> right-wing peace-loving auteurs. Yeah. I think Boris has a... has a, He loves he loves the cinema of the German 1930s. Like. <laughs> That's the kind of cinema he enjoys. The Luddite scene. He yeah. loves that. He loves yeah. a, a nice film about whittling. Mm. Then he continued to thread his way through the cars. That's what he loved about bicycles. The autonomy. The ability to put your wheel wherever you choose. As you looked over the handlebars, you could see your front tyre as a snub-nosed cylinder, nosing at will down the open streets of London. I want to take you through that very <laughs> complex and very self-contradictory <laughs> statement. You could take your bike wherever you choose, whilst it noses at will. It's, yeah. Who's in charge? Him yeah. or the bike? It's, 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 it's such a banal surface-level observation of anything like, bikes are great because you can go anywhere. Like, it's just so... Everything is just so basic. It's... It, it yeah. adds nothing. Yeah. It's just absolute slurry. He passed an evening standard hoarding, announcing full coverage of the state visit. Uh-oh. The standard. He had forgotten <laughs> about the standard. How would, it, how would he stop his wife seeing that one? Does he, well, does he get them oh, all delivered or not? It, yeah. Yeah. The traffic was getting heavier. Now he understood. It was the exclusion zone. So we're getting a hint here that he's he's done something wrong that his wife's... It's he press-worthy. He disposed of the papers in the first chapter. That was his first act. Well, no, his first act was to wake up with an erection and be shot by his son. Who but he tried to punch. Who he tried to... <laughs> and then, then he threw all of his newspapers in the bin, like a totally innocent man. And then, yeah, so there's something he's worried about is going to come out in the papers that he doesn't want his wife to it's see. It's getting hot under the collar. Yeah. The traffic was getting heavier. Now he understood. It was the exclusion zone. The American security people had insisted on a total ban on traffic, which is getting heavier, in the area to be honoured by their presence. And the result was that a freeborn Englishman could not even move down the Queen's Highway. (laughs) That's that's five ports in after dinner, hammering on the table, and it's completely (laughs) against the flow of the book. Now, you and I have lived in London for quite a long time. Have you ever had this, the entire centre of the city shut down by the Americans? <laughs> no, but nor have I ever expected to freely flow through rush hour traffic. No. And, he, and again, he must have known this. He was aware of all of this. Yeah. He's been briefed on it. Yeah. He still got up at 10 to 8. <laughs> that's, that's how he could have missed it. That's, that's exactly it. And like any freeborn Englishman, Struth, he cursed. Mm. Uh, well-known Australian thing. Yeah. And used a disabled ramp to mount the pavement. Son of a bitch. He knew he shouldn't do it. But there you go. And that's actually the sentence. Yeah. <laughs> In any case, his political career might be over by tomorrow morning. Then he was back on the road again. That whole thing was about yeah, the was disabled about rap. Just, and, and yeah. His, oh, is his career? Could, yeah. Watching the shimmer starting to rise from the hot bonnets of the backed up traffic and thugger, thugger, walk, walk. The helicopter was ceasing to impinge on his consciousness. That is... His friend Jeremy Clarkson asked if he could write a line. <laughs> thugger, thugger, walk, walk. It just... And that's the end of the chapter. And wow, it's uh, just over it's a covered, page. It's covered three minutes, and it's it's two, two and a bit pages. Yeah, two pages. 
Um, but there's no reason there's no reason for that to be the end of the chapter because uh, as you're about to discover, it, it immediately segues into the action sure. that, you, that we've just left. Right, well, let's um, we'll have a quick break and then we'll dive into chapter four because um, well, well, we're flying through this. Old boys. Right, so here we go, chapter four. Uh, yeah, 0833 hours. So, in the twin squirrel Eurocopter, the two sun-goggled officers peered into the hot canyons and smoking waddies of the city. It's like the best of Dan Brown at this point. Yeah, I think in Johnson's head, the kind of call to prayers playing over London at the moment, like, you know, in those kind of uh, Black Hawk Down style. <laughs> so who's meant to be driving this ambulance, said the pilot, as they passed over Trafalgar Square and made for the river. He's called Jones, said Grover from Scot New Scotland Yard. Jones, what's he look like? Kind of Arab type thing. Why do I get all the racist <laughs> chapters? <laughs> he alternates. That's it. You can read it one of two ways. Choose your own adventure. Kind. What does kind he? Kind of Arab what's type he, thing. What's he look like? Kind of Arab type thing. Not even with the correct pronouns. Just kind of Arab type thing. I mean, it's, yeah, it's 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 horrendous. Hundreds of miles away at Filingdale's in Yorkshire, the word Arab triggered an automatic alert in the huge golf ball shaped American listening post. Now this is potentially quite interesting because one would assume Johnson has insider knowledge of how these things work and if that is how, I mean I don't know if it's how it, how it works but if that is what I mean probably is what enough to trigger an alert in some sort of listening post somewhere but still I feel like if the word Arab triggered an alert there would need to be firstly you assume there are mm. a lot many other words that would do the same mm. this this would be staffed with millions of people <laughs> <laughs> millions and millions of people. And and they know that they're listening to the Pulse mm. Radio as well. Yeah. And within seconds, the conversation was being monitored in Langley, Virginia. And this is kind of another interesting thing about this, is that the, the power of the surveillance state and the United States is never in doubt in this book. But their incompetence is, like, despite all the information. Yeah. Like, and this is another thing where just the jarring of tone in that this kind of... Um, this kind of spy thriller come, I don't know, boarding school comedy. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of discarded early Bond, mm. but but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, also yeah. Austin Powers simultaneously. It's it's the um the the pirate Bond that um or the knockoff Bond that Connery made. Oh God, I can't remember what it's called. There's one that's not in the official canon that he made that is 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 appalling. <laughs> and really, it feels really like bad. Johnson would know that and, yeah. and be uh, and be targeted by it. Yeah, the pilot continued. That's all we know. He's kind of Arab, called Jones. <laughs> that he's on the CIA's most wanted list. I mean, you'd so think they'd have more. a bit more information. Yeah. His father was a gynecologist in Karachi who was struck off for some reason. He knows a lot about explosives and is a serious wacko. That's what we know about Jones. Right, so a bit more padding on the Jones character. Yeah, okay. I feel like I feel like he's coming to life. I've forgotten his father was a gynecologist. Uh, which, don't, don't worry about remembering it. It's never going to come up. Yeah, yeah who at that moment was sliding with Haroon off the bonnet of the ambulance and onto Tufton Street as the vehicle was jerked up into the air. Dragon Panic... <laughs> Get ready for more mechanical yeah. descriptors. ...was standing by his Renault 150 authorised removal unit, twiddling the vertical line of six hydraulic knobs and grinning. It was always fun when they went do-lally. <laughs> One chap had leapt aboard his Porsche Cayenne, manacled to the truck, and put it into reverse. He took it up to about 7,000 revs, smoke pouring everywhere as the Bavarian beast struggled to escape the gin. There had been a bang, and a fresh convexity appeared in the gleaming black bonnet, like a rat in a rubbish sack. That had been gratifying. Jones decided... I mean, Dragon Panic is... Um, again, he's in, he's in the book for about 20 pages and, and never really features after that. But... He's purely psychotic as well. Yeah, throughout. yeah. Jones decided to take a different tack with the traffic warden. He made the obvious point. But we are ambulance men. The parky looked at him. 
That was just it. He had watched the vehicle like a tethered goat. <laughs> did I, did Sometimes I, his turn of phrase is, yeah, ridiculous. Of all of the things. Yeah, yeah. He had seen the men get out, and and obviously, like he's trying to. It, it's so strange to see him try and put his head in the mind of someone from a different culture and what their reference points would be and yeah. how they would think. It's, but, but the, for, there's for just everyone, no empathy at all. You're either from London, in which case you expect the yeah. Queen's Highway to be clear for you, yeah. or you're from some kind of prehistoric nation where yeah. where ritual rules and yeah, mm. it would it would either be it would either be a Porsche Cayenne or a goat. Yeah. And also, what does it mean? You'd watch the vehicle like a tethered goat. I mean, it's, like, it's just parked up, isn't it? Is there, is there, I mean... What's tethering it? Yeah, but also, do, does anyone spend a long time watching a tethered goat? Um, do you watch a tethered goat particularly closely, or do you just ignore it because you know it's tied to a post and it's not going to go anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, this is it, though, because he gets into, he gets into the mind of yeah. these characters, as, as, he, yeah. as he believes he's done. But as such, creates entirely new worlds that are inaccessible to everyone. <laughs> yeah. that, that is no one's point of view. Yeah. No one in the world has ever thought that. Yeah, that's very true. He had seen the men get out, leaving it parked in a disgracefully dangerous position. He had seen them shamble into the Tivoli for breakfast. He didn't believe for one minute that they were ambulance men. They were the first ambulance men he'd ever seen in scruffy old t-shirts and jeans. And he didn't see why they should be in possession of an ambulance belonging to the Bilston and Willenhall NHS Trust. I mean, okay, that's a lot of insight. Yeah, Eric's uh, kind of a, a, a workaday Sherlock. Please, let us pay now. No, you must come to the pound. Why? You must establish that the vehicle is yours. But I've lost the papers. Then you must come to the pound. I mean, Jones is... He, he, for a terrorist mastermind, he hasn't thought through these excuses particularly well, has he? No. It's also the... He's not making himself sound any less suspicious. It's, it's the driest exchange in the world as well. Yeah. Also, no ambulance uniforms in the ambulance? Or no kind of... No, they haven't made any attempt to make themselves look like the owners of the ambulance, which seems like a bit of a hole in their plan. But, but they did research the uh, in intricacies and uh, temperament of the parking wardens in the local area. Yeah, and at least they've got themselves some breakfast. They had time for that. The man called Jones went to the cabin of the ambulance and rootled in the glove box. He came back with a brick of cash, like the wadge the winner has at the end of a game of Monopoly. Or what you get for a fiver in Zimbabwean dollars. Unbelievable. Just, just <laughs> so unnecessary. Absolutely needless dig. Um, Eric frowned and pretended to study his husky. Please do not force me to beg, said Jones. I ain't forcing you to beg, sir. I don't know who this cockney is who's suddenly turned <laughs> up. My sister is pregnant. Jones just absolutely panicking. <laughs> <laughs> Complete grappling for anything. With every second that passed, Eric was sure that he had done the right thing. Now, if they had said that they were taking the Duke of Edinburgh on a secret assignation with a nurse from St. Thomas's Hospital, that would have been one thing. I, but what thing? Yeah. More believable? Less believable? Is he saying that he wants the Duke of Edinburgh to cheat on the Queen? It, would he have let them... But you've let that go? But because they said that they haven't got the papers, he's taking it to the pound. <laughs> If they had said that they had a freshly excised human liver on board, that it needed to be transferred in 10 minutes to a terminally alcoholic football player. <laughs> George culture, Best. Culture George, grab. Just seen a George Best headline in yeah, 2004. Yeah, yeah. Or if they had claimed to be part of Scotland Yard's counter-terrorist unit, they would have appealed to his imagination. But in fairness, you can't fault Eric's logic here because those things would have been more interesting than Jones erroneously explaining that his sister is pregnant. Mm. Is, is he saying that we've stolen an ambulance but it's because my sister's pregnant. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so ill thought. <laughs> but to say that his sister was pregnant, that was sorry stuff. He looked at the four of them. He noticed that the youngest one was staring at him in a funny way, as if terrified. Am I really so frightening? Wondered Eric Inyama, king of the curb. He continued to tap into the husky. 
L64896P. This is the second license plate of the book. So this one's important though because it will keep coming up. Yeah. As if the reader could be at any question in the future that it was the same ambulance. Yeah. He'll, he'll reference this. Tufton Street 0262. The details were soon pinged into space and stored in irrefutable perpetuity in the APCOA computers. Somewhere in cyberspace, the electronic data began to team up with other groups of electrons. In less than half a second, they were having a vast symposium of subatomic particles, and among the preliminary conclusions would be that the vehicle was from Wolverhampton. This this is a kind of nice pricey to one of, I think, the funniest scenes in the book, which uh, revolves around... Um, the kind of understanding of technology and how computers work, and and how data is stored. But but this this is for this is for a man who's talking about the complexity of the electron system. Mm. But we'll also have a go later at very rudimentary operating system technology, <laughs> yeah. as if it's something that also baffles him. Yeah, he looked up again and saw the kindlier looking one, Habib, who was cleaning his teeth with a carved juniper twig. Where the fuck has where, he got that he got from? That from? <laughs> But where was the other And how does he know it's a juniper twig from just... Uh, anyway, but where well, was the other one? He stared at it as you would stare at a yep. feathered goat. <laughs> Haroon had vanished. He had stolen inside the machine and he was searching for something. He knocked aside a cervical collar set. Oh, he, he never misses a chance to, to, to get a vagina reference in. He pushed a mouth-to-mouth ventilator to the floor. Ha! He thought to himself. This would unquestionably do the job. He decided. He extracted the prong of a pericardial puncture kit and tested its needle point on his finger. And that is the end of chapter four. And what another t- another two pager, um, but a cliffhanger. Another cliffhanger. It looks like uh, we're about to get some uh, ultra violence dished out. I wouldn't want to be in Eric's position. I wouldn't want to be in Eric's position. No, he seems uh, seems to not know what he's what he's dealing with here. Dragon panic. I think could probably handle himself, but Eric, I'm not so sure. Anyway, we're gonna have a, a quick break and then we're gonna dive straight into chapter five. Old boys. This is chapter five of Boris Johnson's The 72 Virgins, and it's 8.35 in the morning. Looks like a killer, said Pennell. He gave a small shudder as he looked at the fallen Harun Abu Zara, a slim docket. What do we know about him? Not a lot, said Grover, but the Yanks are pretty keen on talking to him as well. There is one thing, though. He paused, as all subordinates will when they're keen to emphasize some tiny advance. Feels <laughs> <laughs> so like a tactic Johnson's Another needless dig at someone, his, yeah, yeah, someone at his universe he's just having a dig at. Our lads were talking to the travel lodge, and they said there was something most peculiar about their room. After they'd left, yeah, there's a picture by some posh artist on the wall of a naked girl. You know, a print. Obviously, what? inside to the uh, way that... Not, not yeah. an original. Yeah. In, in travel lodge. <laughs> bankrupt the travel lodge corporation. Uh-huh. Tits out. Very tasteful and all. Certainly sounds tasteful. Presumably yeah. uh, designed to originally have peanuts on the front of it. <laughs> Go on. And they turned it to the wall. 20 minutes later, they checked out. Wackos. I mean, these these are the same men, right? Okay, so I think we're, we're meant to assume that they've turned this uh, this scandalous picture to the wall because they are devout Muslims. For, for modesty, yeah, I think yes, I think yeah. that's, that's what you meant to imply. Yeah, they two chapters ago were eating chops for breakfast. A huge old plate of <laughs> huge old fry up. Oh yes, very nice too. Wackos. Just that's that's it. The phone went in the outer room. They both knew it was blue. Could have yeah. been anyone. Deputy Assistant Commissioner Pernell looked at the clock on the wall. They'll be on their way, won't they? No way of stopping them now, said Grover. No fewer than 15 BMW 750 police motorcycles were engaged <laughs> in sheepdogging the traffic. It's just, it's so needless. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You could, you, could re, you could rewrite this book in 50 pages. Yeah. Uh, we're engaged in sheepdogging the traffic out of the way of the slowly oncoming cavalcade. Now they were approaching Junction 4 for West Drayton and Heathrow and seeing the signs, the president looked over to his right. 
He tried to spot the two Boeing 747-700s. <laughs> <laughs> Painted in the eggshell blue library of the President of the United States, but no sign. Perhaps they'd been tactfully concealed in a hangar. <laughs> or, or else they'd be flown elsewhere. Yeah, maybe. After the airport, the wailing host of outriders and motorbike Ruhrtrekkers took the red route that runs from Heathrow to London. They shoveled the taxis aside and cowed the cursing commuters. One woman tried to see into the tint-windowed limos and crashed her Nissan Micra into the back of an expensive wah, but vulnerable wah. Alpha 164. <laughs> the ensuing delay added an average of 15 Don't minutes to the journey. Don't fucking list every make and model of car in this traffic jam, Boris. This is, it's so irrelevant. She added more than uh, an average of 15 minutes to the journeys of more than 1,000 motorists. And that's that's that bit. What is he arguing against here? Is he saying that state visits shouldn't happen? That they're kind of that they it's just a massive inconvenience. Normal to... traffic. I don't understand what what kind of like what he's going. Who who's his target in all this? Like, is he trying to say, oh, I, you know, I get the common man's kind of you he's know anti elite on this? Or yeah, it's fucking bizarre. Because he is at the point of writing this a member of parliament. It's, <laughs> And it's a state visit in part. It's oh, what's his God. He's it's complete, constantly switching perspective on this. Is yeah, it's hard to follow. But he does seem to be very against the establishment that yeah. that pays him that he he, yeah. he exists. To or serve. at least like not not so much against the establishment, but just against the idea that the governments should meet each other and have any kind of like <laughs> interaction, and that, that, that all of this kind. Of, that or that you know the American president should just like I don't know fly economy class on his own and not make a fuss and just kind of just, well, just ta- get the, ta- get the, like the rest of them. just get the cheap from Heathrow mate it's a, it's a, pick a line goes all the way he'll take you all the way to pretty much uh, Westminster I don't know, like oh, it's it's ludicrous but it's it's a point that's being made that has no point yeah which, which is that's what it should say on the back but I think this this goes to the heart of who this book is trying to appeal to. I think you reft Clarkson earlier. Mm. And it, it it was almost like it, this could be written for Clarkson. Like yeah. Clarkson would absolutely love this. And he's a he's a great old boy actually who hopefully we'll get into in in future episodes. Yeah, but, with no shortage of material. There, yeah, yeah. Somewhere. Sadly no novels that I'm aware of. But um but yeah, but it, but you can just imagine Clarkson reading that and just being like, yeah. 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 It's a it's a point for the anything, same of a point. Yeah, anything that gets in the way of me travelling down the Fucking M5, like or, or the M25, just like that's just an inconvenience that just boils your piss as an old man. But it, just... it would be a point that would take exactly as much vehemence and support as the opposite point presented the same way. Yeah, like, don't, don't you think it's disgusting that leaders of the free world don't meet up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are they doing? What are we paying them for? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't you think it's disgusting that they meet up? Yeah. What are they doing? Stopping yeah. our roads. Yeah. As the traffic thickened down the Charing Cross Road, it occurred to Roger that the security business would be no joke. What if he couldn't even get into his office? Just occurred to him. What has he Just been doing? He, yeah. got, he got pissed last night, he had a lion this morning, <laughs> and he started to think about his day. Cameron, that was the answer. Cameron would have all the passes oh, yeah. necessary. He reached into his breast pocket for his mobile, since he was all in favour of using his bike as his office. Damn. Oh, yes. He'd thrown it away the other day when it rang at the wrong moment. <laughs> Straight out of the car window, as it happened, <laughs> on the M25, landing safely in some Budliers in the central reservation. He negotiated... And he's Sorry, just, what? And he's just not replaced it. He's, he's thrown just... his phone out of the car window. Because it rang at an inconvenient because, time. Because it would have been so much more suspicious to hang up than it is to eject the phone <laughs> from the window of a moving car on a motorway. <laughs> he negotiated... What are you doing, Roger? I <laughs> my throat. Phone out the window. Carry on. But is, was there any suspicious reason? No, just a normal reason. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't hang it up because that would have really made me <laughs> suspicious. 
He negotiated the palio of Trafalgar Square and howled round into Whitehall. And here it was. A fence. Oh, Ribbons God. of aluminium fences. And policemen in fluorescent yellow, sprouting like dandelions in the grey of the stone and the tarmac. And the wok, wok, wok of a helicopter in the distance. I'm sorry, sir. You'll have to dismount. But I'm a member of parliament. The policeman looked at him with open disgust. <laughs> This is this is the from the memoirs bit as well. This, yeah, this translates this into definitely non-fiction. Happened. Yeah. yeah, this definitely happened. I don't care if you're the Queen of Sheba, sir. And so it went on as Roger was shunted in the ludicrous arc westwards of the place to which his electors had sent him. This is entirely his fault, as he pointed out. If he'd got up earlier and just gone to work like a normal human being, like giving himself a bit of a buffer, knowing full well that this was going to happen. It's not every day. Yeah. It's, it's a one-day visit. Yeah. A one day of his political career. Get in early. And he can't even sort it out. Just what do you just think? <laughs> Given that I threw my phone out of the car window on the M25, I'll make a little bit more time in case something comes up. And I obviously yeah. can't contact people. Do you think that was? Do you think that was the best way he could? I don't. I'm trying to think. I don't think the fact that he doesn't have a phone is any kind of plot point, or there was any kind of kind of Chekhovian reason for him to not have a phone. Yeah, I, th- I think there is a bit later where he needs to run to find the phone in his office. Oh, uh, right. But I don't. But I think he's also looking for something. You're right. It's yeah. not. It's surrounded by phones. It's in yeah. Parliament. It's, <laughs> not, it's not in the desert. I do think, though, that if you went into uh, a bunch of Budliers in the central reservation of the M25, you might find a phone belonging to Boris Johnson. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it seems yeah. too anecdotal to, to be anything but. Definitely. I'm so sorry, sir. You can't take your bike through here. At one point, to his shame, he snapped at the men in blue. Ooh, What's wrong with my bike? Yeah. Well, this is this is his petition to be mayor. It's a lethal weapon, sir. You can say that again. It's almost killed me several times. Now, oh, don't try to be nice. funny, sir. You shouldn't have to signpost that you are trying to be funny. Do you think he's aware of the fact that he's making a PC gone mad joke, or kind of obvious point, and it is a policeman do, about a PC. And, and it's a PC. It's a PC going gone mad. mad. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how re- much reflection he has. Probably not. No, yeah. I've seen these things packed with explosives. I've seen what they can do. Look, who is this police? He's not, though, has he? He's not, because the, that would have been that would be knowledge. That would be reported. Yeah. A bike full of explosives that's blown up. Mm. But no, he's seen what they can do, perhaps on police training videos. Mm. Look, I know it's annoying, sir, said the copper, seeing his expression, but please try to bear with us. We're all doing our best. But the whole caboodle has been uh, <laughs> agreed with the Americans. Of course it has. Of Why is it, it caboodle is such an American word? Why has he come out of kind of 1950s? He's probably reading their, uh, their yeah. snippets on it. Yeah. And so Roger Barlow tacked ever around and west until he found himself in Pimlico. I mean, that's that's quite a way mm. to go all the way back to Pimlico from, from Westminster. That is quite, yeah. And puffing up Tufton Street, where mm. he saw Dragon Panic standing by the tip lift of his Renault 150, heaving some large white vehicle aboard. Come on, Drugi moi. Come on, my friend, said Dragon to himself in Serbo Croat. Our are, two narrative streams are about to collide, aren't they? I think so, but mm. also Drugi's giving me uh, references to A Clockwork Orange, and I, I think yes. Dragon Panic's meant to embody this kind of spirit of chaos. But yeah. in theory, the Renault could lift 4,450 oh, kilos, but the hydraulics <laughs> were puffing a bit, and the stabilising rods were biting into the tarmac, the way a heart attack victim clutches his chest. Dragon wanted to take this bleeding ambulance. And this is where I think he is trying to do that, kind of embodying the character in mm. in his narration. Mm. But there are many times when he's not doing it, he's just mm. being racist. <laughs> and then he wanted to scarper. Personally, he thought Eric the Parky was mad. Okay. <laughs> I mean, not, not part of it. But... <laughs> not had any interaction. It's been described. 
He thinks he's mad. He's set up perfectly he's for him mad. to do his job. But, uh, you know, if you were to take yeah. him to one side, he, he would admit that he thinks and, he's mad. Uh, as, as has been written, he's perfectly within his rights to be, like, and that's why booking Dragon's this ambulance. As well. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, work, they work in symbiosis. But, uh, right. but to do it, he thinks he's mad. Mm. Okay, so it was dangerously parked. But he didn't lift an ambulance. Nah, not an ambulance. Since fleeing Pristina in 1999, Dragon <laughs> had slotted in nicely in the East End. His knuckles were richly scabbed, encrusted with doubloons, and he was dressed in tracky bums. <laughs> I've never heard it called tracky bums, tracky no. bottoms. But at Christmas, he saw Christmas trees on the street corner b- between lifting cars, yeah. thumping his mittened hands together. He did a bit of gamekeeping for some toffs out in Essex, what? a place called Rayleigh, and he did like a high bird. That, I mean, that. Who uh, yeah. misses? You expect yeah. Sid James to be <laughs> have steam blowing out of his ears. <laughs> I mean, this is definitely where, yeah, you take all those three examples of Dragon's life. Wonder where Boris ran into the inspiration for this character. <laughs> yeah. Probably on a shooting estate. Yeah, was it buying a Christmas tree in the East End? No. <laughs> <laughs> was he admiring another man's matching tracky <laughs> bums? No. No. I don't think it was in the sovereign shop either. <laughs> <laughs> but lifting an ambulance, well, it was like shooting a white pheasant, wasn't it? He wasn't on for that. <laughs> He's got a very, very nuanced knowledge of uh, hunting uh, etiquette, but, upper English hunting etiquette. And again, you imagine an editor sitting down and going, but Boris, this bit's in his mm. tone of voice, isn't it? So there's no yeah. way he'd know about a white feather. Yeah. Not unless he was a part-time gamekeeper, he wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Just... Uh, easy correction to make. <laughs> And above all, he didn't like being in the company of Muslims. Um, well, I mean, I, that makes sense. I guess they're often against gamekeeping. Yeah. That wasn't just because he was a Serb killer from Pristina. <laughs> no. Like and a former a member of Arkans Tigers. It was also because he was as big a coward as ever set fire to a Muslim hayrick in the dark. What? <laughs> as the old saying goes. I mean, it's so mental that he just, like, the first... You know, he presents his character as kind of vaguely sympathetic. Um, and then, it, it's yeah, it's like you said earlier. You can see where he sat down to write and then got up and then come back days later and just carried on and be yeah, like, yeah. oh, dragon panic. Okay, yeah, no, he's like a, a Serbian murderer now. Whereas yeah. now he's, before, like two sentences ago, he's a part-time gamekeeper. Who would delight children by selling them Christmas trees. Yeah. But also who will torture he's a violent, violent Islamophobe as well, so... He uh, experienced it also taught him that you have to keep an eye on the sneaky bastards. Right. This is Muslims. Yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> dot, 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 a couple of them seem to have vanished. Now there was just a young kid... Not, in do, the, not keeping a good enough eye, are you, dragon? You're not listening to your own advice. Now there was just the young kid and the spooky-looking fellow oh, and no. the parky taking his time. Oh, the parky's not even driving the action here. Dragon's mm. trying to lift the car. Mm. That, that, that's a few lines which really crystallise the... Uh, Mm. The insanity of the writing process. <laughs> yeah. that, that's, the, that's the end of the chapter. And uh, it's it's gone from this kind of... There is action. Like, yeah. I'm sure there's action. The, the ambulance is there and they're lifting mm. it and that's something that's happening. But Dragon's also... A, he hates Muslims and he he's a Serb killer. Yeah. I, I, but he's... All, yeah. But no one, no one here is... They're either completely devoid of backstory mm. or they're some kind of international war criminal. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's that scope that... But also, like, there, there is no possible way that there could be an Eastern European character in this, in Johnson's mind, who didn't have an extensively criminal past. Yeah, he couldn't have just moved here and just lived here in London and just been a normal member of society who worked for a tow truck company, for instance. Yeah, and just like the, everything is just the the, the first off the shelf 
racist assumption about any kind of ethnic or national group. It's just it's so, it's so transparently awful. But uh, it's no coincidence that he he's got three jobs. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's obviously taking the jobs of a, yeah. of, a, of an English gamekeeper. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such an absurd job to take. But <laughs> yeah. he's got three jobs, and you think, yeah. okay, well, that, the stereotype ends there. He's, uh, you know, Johnson's got. He's coming over. He's taking our jobs, but no, he, he's a murderer. Yeah, he's he's, 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 he's an international criminal. <laughs> he's not. He's had no justice done to him. Yeah, it's, 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 everything is taken ad absurdum. Yeah, mental. Old boys. So, um, chapter six. <laughs> 0837 hours, so we, we've nearly been, nearly been up for an hour, not quite. Eric Onyama was struggling with the urge not to burp. This man was rude, and Eric had to maintain his poise and dignity. It was impossible to do this while burping. <clears throat> As anyone would attest. Please. Oh, you bastard, said the man called Jones. Just do what I say, or I'll... I must warn you that it is the policy of our company to take legal action against anybody who uses verbal or physical ab... As when scuba... That's a pause in Eric's speech, by the way. I see. Presumably elicited by a bar. Yeah. Yeah. As when scuba divers find a pocket of stale air in a sunken submarine. Yeah, a common experience we've all... (laughs) Yeah, and and the bubbles rise. It's it's relatable. Yeah, and the bubble rises to the surface in a distended globule. So the garlic vapours were released from Eric's stomach. They passed in a gaseous bolus through his esophagus and slid out invisibly... Thank you for telling us that burps are invisible, Boris. Through the barrier of his teeth. Abuse, he said, and a look of mystification and then horror passed over the face of the man called Jones. He staggered back. Again, just kind of ridiculous Sid James kind of yeah, terrible like burps comedy. Like something that f- fucking Buster Keaton would be like, no, no it's been that. done. Is that, is that on touch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, all, it's a kid's show. It's round the twist. It's, it's yeah. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Secret yeah. weapon is yeah. It's, well, Looney Tunes. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. yeah. Ah, yes, thought Roger Barlow. A classic scene of our modern, vibrant, multicultural society. A group of asylum seekers. A, uh, absolutely no qualification. Absolutely there. no evidence. So Roger Barlow cycled up. And he's seen. He's seen four people talking to a traffic warden. He's assumed four people talking to the traffic warden are asylum seekers based on absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, this this is one of those examples where it's like th- th- those kind of assumptions that sneak into the narrative that are just like, well, that that is your state of mind. That that is yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. what you think. There's no point that's trying to be made there. No, that, that's that's him. That's him writing. Yeah. Ah, yes, thought Roger Barlow. A classic scene of our modern, vibrant, multicultural society, and clearly kind of mocking. Well, as, as you'll see, mocking it. Uh, classic scene of our modern, vibrant, multicultural society. A group of asylum seekers in dispute with a Nigerian traffic warden. Poor bleeders, he thought. What were they? Albanians? Kosovars? Tajiks? Uzbeks? Martians? I mean... It's analogous. What does it matter? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Martians? Where does that... Yeah. What, what, what point is that... What point is being yeah. made there? Now their day was wrecked. They would have to find the thick end of £200 just to spring their motor... I don't know why Rogers got this kind of yeah. affected Cockney. Yeah. I suspect that Rogers just acquired a, a good deal of knowledge on the carburetor. Yeah. How many windscreens would they have to wash to earn that back? It's, Fucking hell. It's, it's, uh, it, 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 it could be nothing else. They could be nothing else. This is their assignment. I want Roger to, to be fucking hit by a, a, a car the next time he. Oh. Around the next corner. It's just... He composed a sorrowful speech in his head to the effect that the law was cruel, but that its essence was impartiality. 
I mean, that's not what you're saying, though, isn't it? Because you're a lawmaker and you're not impartial. You're saying <laughs> you're judging people based on the colour of their skin. Literally, that's all he has to go on. Yeah. Also, he, he speculates as to the uh, country of origin of the Eastern Europeans mm. and, uh, and the, the, the terrorists. terrorists. Mm. But he's 100% convinced that the traffic warden is from Nigeria. That, yeah. that is beyond doubt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Spot no. that. He spot, the yeah. other ones might even be Martians. Yeah, this guy's from Nigeria. Yeah, hang on about. He said to himself as he drew nearer, "That's bonkers. They can't take an ambulance." Barlow rescues ambulance. He said to himself reflexively, "Have a go, hero MP in Mercy Dash." I mean, he's setting his sights too low here, Barlow, isn't he? Just rescuing a single ambulance. You, you just you wait. It's, it's nice to know though that in his mind, he's already on the lookout for this, and he's he's gifted this yeah. potential plot to. Uh, this is definitely something. This is definitely something that happened to Johnson. I'm convinced of yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. particular section. I couldn't believe my eyes," said Mr. Barlow last night. So then, now he's fantasizing about coverage of him saving an ambulance. The mail asks, "Has the world gone mad?" He was thinking newsroom southeast. He was thinking little John. He was thinking big stuff. Well, this was a story, all right. That should get that awful Debbie woman off his back. He saw the traffic warden say something to the olive-skinned man, and the olive-skinned man reeled. And no wonder he reeled, poor dutiful fellow. He could imagine that they were already late for a mission. He doesn't seem to have noticed that they're not dressed like ambulance men. Um, well, they're Martians. <laughs> across London, the mere act of getting up was taking a terrible toll. People were braining themselves in the shower, slicing their nostrils with big razors. I've got. I've, this is something I actually specifically made a note on. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to rely on myself to remember this. I, how how chaotic must a morning in Boris Johnson's house be? Mm. That the, the, an option of potentially getting ready to go to work is to brain oneself on a Bic razor. Yeah. It must look like a scene from American Psycho in his bathroom. Yeah. I, yeah. I, oh, I, I, d- oh, I dread to think what Boris Johnson's bathroom looks like. <laughs> Just wine bottles everywhere. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, slicing their nostrils with big razors, brushing their teeth with their children's poisonous Queenoderm acne cream. Sustain- I mean, this is just a list of kind of Mr. Beanish-esque kind yeah. of comedy mishaps, isn't but, it? But with, in a hideous way. So yeah. he, he, doesn't, he doesn't use the toilet brush accidentally. Or yeah. they, they, they're consuming poisonous acne cream and cutting their faces. <laughs> I, I don't know how many times I've shaved, but I do know I've never once cut my nose open. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sustaining cardiac infarcts at finding themselves misreported in the paper. And where was the ambulance? As we'll get to, he isn't misreported. It was outrageous. Roger braked and spoke, and spoke in the mellow bedside tones of the MP's surgery. And that is the end of chapter six. Um, it's, so it's a staggering uplift in insanity. This this chapter. Yeah. It, it's very short, but it's it's very deep in its racial assumptions. And yeah. There's a there's a lot. Yeah. Well, let's let's take a quick break and then we'll uh, we'll draw this episode to an end and then. Uh, yeah, I guess um, go and smash our heads against the wall and try and get rid of this poison. Old boys. So that's the end of episode two. Uh, we're up to yeah, um, chapter seven, and plot's moving along to the to the steady boil. I would say. I mean, he's really got into the swing of it. I mean, w- what is there to say? It's it, things have happened. Yeah. Uh, there's no there's no real motivations for any characters yet no um the motivation for writing the book remains equally unclear yeah it's, it's kind of a string of bizarre occurrences at this yeah. point which but not in an interesting way it's not yeah. it's it, it, none of it drags you along none mm-hmm. of it seems to be coming together and he'll just throw out bits of information that are as yet incomplete to try and drag the plot forward yeah this debbie woman being a yeah yeah. Point there. yeah and you think oh 
I'll read the next 30 pages to work out who this Debbie woman is. Yeah. And that's, that's his style of writing throughout, unfortunately, yeah. is to, to just hold enough back to, to try and make it interesting, but just make what's gone before incoherent. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult to read for basically all the... Re- like, it's difficult to read because the content is offensive, uh, but it's also bad, <laughs> badly written. Like, the, the syntax of it is, is hard to... Literally hard to read sometimes. Yeah. Um, and kind of nonsensical, and his sort of diversions off into fucking engines and, like, the lift capacity of tow trucks and stuff. Is that... Is that... I, knowing Johnson as we kind of do as a public figure who's kind of notorious for lying, you, you kind of you can't believe that we would have the diligence to research that properly. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Rather than, but then the facts seem so specific. I guess it, it yeah. But that's how you lie well, isn't it? You, know, you get quite a lot so, yeah. of specific information. It's it's four thousand five hundred and fifty rather yeah. than it's about five tons. It's yeah. it's gone into so much detail. Yeah. With the lies that what you, and you would just never bother questioning it. Yeah. But also, they're so inconsequential as facts that you might find yourself at a dinner party years after mm. reading it and go, "Oh no, it's actually four thousand five. Yeah. And you wouldn't know why you knew it. Yeah. And then you just maybe think a friend had told you something that was wrong. Um, but I think, like in, in terms of the protagonist, in terms of Roger Barlow himself, who who let's be honest, is how Johnson has chosen to present himself in fiction. I think the most interesting thing that's kind of developing is that he obviously has a reverence for institutions and kind of parliament, although as we touched on a kind of weird obsession with the um, kind of day-to-day inconveniences that they can sometimes cause it if you're trying to travel from A to B in a car or on a bike. But what's kind of interesting, he has this reverence for parliament and you see it quite a lot through the book and he's kind of, he's always struck in awe by the building and he's kind of like by the process of it and kind of, he sees it as this great calling. But he never seems to quite grasp that the whole point of being an MP or, or doing what is public service, like the whole point of it is public service, is serving people. But yet the whole the whole drive of Barlow's arc throughout this whole book, his whole motivation is self-service. Yeah. It's, to comp- it's to cover up stuff that he's done. Which is telling. Yeah, it's, it's, it's telling really it. telling. And it's, it's really not, telling. It's not even a, he's not even critiquing Barlow. Yeah. At no point does Barlow come under critique from the narrator because mm. it, apart, apart from in, in ways that are, are, are totally irrelevant but mm. it's, that is his view and instantly excused like yeah. they, they, they'll, it'll be like oh he knew he shouldn't have gone on the disabled ramp but hey what are you going to do the yeah. man's got to get to work right yeah yeah he, he's hungover, he was yeah. drinking last night but yeah. you know, whatever that's fine yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the job but he, he has reverence for these institutions but as you say, with no connection of what they do. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. He loves the fact that it's an old building and that it once ruled the earth. But without thinking that it was the day-to-day bureaucrats that actually enacted this. Yeah. So he, he, there's a distinction between what it stands for and how it and yeah. how it stands for it. Yeah. And, and I think as a politician, you, you saw that exact same yeah. distinction as well. Yeah. yeah. No comprehension of the doing. Yeah. No, it is, it's an entirely, um, yeah, as I said, just following his own... Um, self-service but anyway uh, I think we'll draw it to an end there and then uh, yeah we'll see you next week where we will um, I don't know we'll, we'll dive in there's, there's a few very quick chapters I mean he's sort of doing two pages a chapter at the moment so we might do a few more of these and then uh, we might skip a bit further we'll see how we get on uh, but yeah thanks for listening yeah we'll see you next week cheers bye, bye. bye.